we're going to be speaking about the victory of Jesus this morning. And what does it mean for your life? And how can you enjoy that victory? How can you know that God is working on your behalf this morning? Whatever the need is that you may be facing, know this one thing. The Bible says that if the faith as a grain of mustard seed, which is almost un, uh, cannot hardly see, is said if you have that much faith, you can speak to the mountain. How many of you have the have the, uh, the, the strength to speak to your problem this morning and to speak victory over it in the name of Jesus Christ. He is the Lord and he is the Savior. But victory is defined as the defeat of an enemy. Uh, uh, we may desire uh, victory over political unrest or terrorism or war, but we, what we need is not victory over, but victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. Victory in Jesus. That is, is so important to understand. Whatever I'm going through, I have victory because my victory is in Jesus Christ. Faith, the Bible says, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. And, and that's what it means to have victory in Jesus. A lot of people want victory over everything, but I'd rather have victory in because I know that he is over, and I know that he has overcome everything that is there. But we need is victory over, uh, not victory over, but victory in Jesus. I think of uh, the fiery furnace, and, 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 and they were not spared from that furnace, but yet the Bible says that when Nebuchadnezzar looked down, he saw not only three, but he saw four, and he said, and he was like unto the Son of God. You, you see, you've got to realize Jesus is with you. He said, lo, I am with you. I will never forsake you. Amen. And we have to understand and realize that he is with us in all things. Hallelujah. I think of the, the writer of Chronicles tells us this in First Chronicles twenty nine eleven. He said, Thine, O Lord, is thy is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory. You see something? When you look at the six books of the kings, and and here we we see um, that out of Chronicles, one of the six books, he is saying Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory. Now, they had many battles yet to, to, to fight, but yet he already was persuaded that Christ is the victory over all things. Isaiah said in Isaiah 25, 8, he said, For the Lord will swallow up death and victory, and the Lord, and, and the Lord God will wipe away every tear from off your faces. You see, and that's the thing we've got to know. I don't understand everything that goes on here on this earth, but I know him, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him in that day of torment or trial or, or, or not knowing. And, and I think yesterday as we were uh, talking about uh, a woman shelter, and she said, and here the, the prices of homes have skyrocketed. And, and she went on to quote what um, uh, one man said, and that is that it's, he said it's better when it's impossible 
Because then you know it's the Lord. Amen. How many know that when it's impossible, we know it's the Lord? And when God transformed the life of an alcoholic or, or, or a person on drugs or a person that's addicted to something, we can look at that and know that that person is weak, but God is strong. We can see the personal testimony of the Lord in the life of those that are walking with him. To say, surely I know that person. Surely I do. I remember I told you a few weeks ago how when I had my, uh, my car was totaled and, and the person that came out from the insurance company to, to do an evaluation of its value, uh, and he was a man that went to school with in Gorham. And, and he knew, and, you know, in talking about my past, uh, he looked at me kind of sheepishly and he said, I'm sure the people of the church don't know any of this. Because, you see, his whole thought was those people wouldn't understand brokenness. Those people wouldn't understand, you know, failures. Those people wouldn't understand. I'm going to tell you what. The church is built on failures and brokenness with the power of Jesus Christ. Unless God gets the glory, it's vain. And that's why he said, I choose those who are uncomely, those that are weak, because then when the world sees the transformation of those, they will know surely that I am the Lord that heals thee. I am the Lord that saves thee. I am the Lord that calls thee. In the book of Acts, we saw that they looked at these men that were speaking fluently in their native or, or in their native tongue. And they said, who, we know that these are unlearned men. And, and, and yet they speak so fluently in our language. How could they know that because the Holy Ghost can empower even the simplest of people to become the brightest of all? Isn't that wonderful? That God can transform us into something that brings glory to him. And that's what it means to have victory in Jesus instead of victory over circumstances. I have victory despite my circumstances because I know him. And I know that he is able to do what I cannot do. I think of what, uh, and Paul wrote in, in 1 Corinthians, and this is really my text this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. It says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, he said, Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death! Where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that wonderful? I think of Joanne this morning. She's with the Lord. Her, her, her suffering is over. She's run the race, as Paul said to Timothy. He said, Timothy, I've run the race. He had the baton in his hand. He said, now it's your turn to run. Will we run that race? As we get older, we realize we're becoming the mothers and the fathers in the church. 
we're becoming the, uh, you know, the, the older ones. When we were young, we always had older folk that would preach the gospel and do that. But here we now are approaching that season and we're saying, whoa, what a responsibility that is. But God, we plan to be faithful to you. Thank God for the Joannes that have given us the, the, the example of how we should live. And that is with victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think of the word, the, the song, Victory in Jesus, we just sang. And when we close, I'm going to sing it again. It was written by E.M. Bartlett and was inspired to compose, um, you know, and, and it is an inspiration. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory. How many are grateful for that old, old story? Amen. In 1 John 4, 9 and 10, it says that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might through him, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sin. And that word propitiation means to satisfy the penalty of sin. The Bible said the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is, is, is glory and, and everlasting life. And John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you believe that this morning? Sometimes I think as Christians, we need to get back to the basic and remember what it was all about. I think the Christians sometimes become grumblers because they forget the old, old story. They forget what God has taken them out of. I think of what God said to Israel because they got puffed up and begun to think more of themselves than they are. And he said to them, he says, do you remember when you were abandoned in the field like a child without the biblical cord even being cut from you? And I found you and I nurtured you and I raised you up. Oh, we got to remember what God has done in our lives because then we, a joy begins to come onto our faces don't you thank god that you were told that old old story i thank god that jesus was willing to come from glory just to forgive me just to cleanse me i thank god jesus was willing to come from glory just for you and me isn't that wonderful how he gave his life on calvary to save a wretch like me how sobering that is. I was not deserving. We know the story in the gospel tells us tells it like this in Luke 23. And it begins in verse 33. And it says this. It says, and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, uh, there they crucified him and the malefactors or the thieves, one on the right and hand and the other on the left and Jesus, uh, Jesus and then said Jesus father forgive them for they know not what they do I think of the two malefactors that were crucified one began to mock him you know and that's the way it is in the world some mock him but another because he was he, he had a 
a, a glimpse through the keyhole of eternity. He saw the kingdom of God and he says, Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom. He said, this day shall you be with me in paradise. Isn't that wonderful? He didn't say, well, you got to be baptized or, or, or you got to do this or do this or I'm going to have to take you off the cross because you got to live at least 15 years for me. No, he said, this day will you be with me and paradise. Sometimes, sometimes we make the gospel so complex and so hard uh, that people shun it because they say there's no way I can do this. What the Lord says, come to him humbly and say, Lord, forgive me, help me. And I promise you this, Jesus said, in no way will I reject you. I love you, says the Lord. Amen. Thank God that man cried out, now, I want you to know something. Jesus didn't say, well, you know, just because you believe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save you from death. No, he said, you're going to die. You're going to die with me. Sometimes people come to the Lord because they want their circumstances to be changed. And God said, I don't work like that. I don't barter. You know, I had a young man years ago came in through those doors. It was a Sunday morning. I was here, and he came in, and, and well, I guess I said hi to him. And he said to me, sat there uh, in the back, and he looked at me, and he says, I will tell you this. I will serve God all the days of my life if my girlfriend will come back to me. God doesn't barter. I didn't. I told him, I said, young man, I don't know that your girlfriend will ever come back to you. But God does want to save your soul. And he went out uh, sorrowfully and walked down the road with his head hung because he wanted, he wanted what he wanted. I want you to know, when we come to Jesus, we need to come to him and just lay our lives upon the altar. That's what that man on the cross did. He said to the other malefactor, he said, you know, we deserve to be here. He said, but this man has done no wrong, and yet he is here with us. And that's what we need to realize. Jesus did not deserve, but he took it upon himself. He refused to allow bitterness and unforgiveness to cloud his goals. He refused to allow bitterness and unforgiveness to cloud his goal. You see, and that's what Jesus did. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He could have gotten bitter. You see, what I realize is that Satan has the billows that can rekindle the fires of bitterness in our hearts. You know, you can have a fire gone down to such a place where you don't even know if there's an ember left. And you can take those billows. You ever see the old billows they use? And they blow on that, and all of a sudden that little spark begins. And that's just what the devil loves to do. You've got it almost where it just is out, and the devil comes with those billows to rekindle the fire through thought. To make something great of something that has diminished to such a low place. But thank God that Jesus did not allow his heart to go that way. And that's what we need to understand as I preached last week on love. We have to understand that don't allow bitterness into your soul, especially with politics, especially with, with anything. You need to realize that we are, we are victorious in Jesus. 
John 10, 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. In John 10, 17, it said, I lay down my life that I might take it up again. In Matthew 16, 25, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall find it. The best things in life are often hidden at the end of of a tragedy. I was reading this morning in Mark chapter 4 how that they were in the midst of the storm and the storm was great and God had to had to quench the the storm. Sometimes we go through storms in life, but you see something the devil knew that Jesus was on a mission. Let me tell you something, the devil knew Jesus. He knew him in the life before he'd fallen. He knew very well who Jesus was. He knew how capable he was. And he knew, he knew the threat that he was to his, to his kingdom in little words. And he would throw everything that he could at the mission of Jesus. But Jesus was already victorious. And what happened right after that storm is we saw the demoniac who was filled with thousands of he said, we are legion, for we are many. Thousands of demons in this individual, they would try to put him in chains and he would break them. He was such a nuisance to the coastline that they couldn't use it for their commerce because he was a disruption to everything they did. How I many of the devil can be a real disruption? He can be a disruption to the grain that feeds the poor. He can be a disruption in so many ways. But thank God that Jesus has overcome the devil. And he got up and he rebuked the storms that they may continue to do the will of the Father. I'll tell you what, the will of the Father is important this morning, not the storm. The will of the Father is important this morning, not the storm. Because we have already overcome through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, there are storms that rage in this world. There are storms that rage in churches. There are storms that rage in nations. But thank God he has overcome them all. He said, be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. How many times that Jesus has to say to us, oh, ye of little faith. How many times we go for counseling and, and the counselor, uh, which Jesus is the greatest, said it's going to be all right. And we just keep saying, but, but, but. Maybe you don't really know the whole story. Well, I know the story. It's an old, old story. And it's written down in glory. How Jesus saves. In Mark fifteen thirty-seven, it said, And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. He gave up the ghost in Matthew 27, 46 through 47. He said, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani. And that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man crieth out for Elias. And Jesus felt forsaken. This should comfort us when we feel that way. Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken? Let me tell you this right now. Jesus had been through a lot, but he had never been absent from the presence of his Father. Until then, because God could not look upon sin. 
And he turned his back, and the Bible said there was darkness on the earth for three hours. A total eclipse of all light for three hours because God had turned his back upon the, the, the earth because of the sin that Jesus was, was going to pay the penalty for. Amen. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atoning. Hallelujah. He yielded up the ghost. And John 19 and 34 said, But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And I love it, it says in Hebrews 9, 22, it said, And almost all things that are by the law uh, were by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We need to preach more about the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. The blood can cleanse us from all sin. And we need that blood. Because the blood is so important in our theology. The blood is important. Uh, I think of uh, David Osselbrook when he said he was preaching about the blood in a church conference. And some of the Pentecostal ministers were beginning to laugh at each other. And he knew that they, he was in trouble. And afterward, they said he was just a 22-year-old young man preaching. And they looked at him and said, you know something, sir? They said if Jesus was strangled, it would have been sufficient. No, it wouldn't. The blood of Jesus the blood of Jesus. He said, that's how much an error they were. And he said, this is within the Pentecostal rank. There are people who are ignorant of the power of the blood. Oh, without that precious flow. I remember the blind person in, in Mark chapter 8. It says this, in, in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 25, it said, And Jesus cometh to Bethesda, and they being, uh, bringing a blind man uh, unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit in his eyes, can you imagine he led him out of the town? <coughs> And I can only think that maybe because there was no faith in the town and he had to take him out where he didn't have to deal with un unfaith, un the un those that didn't believe. And, and when he had spit in his eyes and put his hands upon him, and he asked him if he could see aught, and he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And after that, he put his hand again upon his eyes and made him to look up, and he saw uh, and was restored, and his sight was restored, and he saw every man clearly. You know, sometimes we get a partial healing, uh, and we need a whole healing. Amen? We come into the church, well, I believe, but help my unbelief. Well, you know, well, I believe this far, but not that. In other words, I see his promises as trees, but I don't see them clearly. I've known a lot of Christians like that. They get a partial healing, and they come to the Word of God, and with a partial understanding, well, I believe this, but I, I have a hard time. I'm telling you, when you have a complete healing, you will see clearly. Makes me to think of those that have watched the news and watched the, all this being spun out of propaganda. And, and we see people eating that up. And, you know, but we that can see clearly, 
We, our eyes have been healed to see. And we can see the propaganda in the midst of it. And we wonder why our neighbors don't see it. It's because they need that same healing that we've received. Then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal this broken spirit. God is a healer. When you ask him to come into your life, he'll heal you. In Psalms 34 and 18, it says this, And the Lord is nigh unto them that are broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite or broken spirit. So if your spirit is broken this morning, if you're wondering how you can even continue, maybe you're going through a battle. Remember this, in the midst of the battle, you can have victory in Jesus. Believe his word. Believe his word. Oh, the devil will come and he will bring lies and he'll, he'll, whatever he can do. Remember, he knows who Jesus is. He knew him before he ever fell. Very familiar with Jesus in, 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 in heaven. Before Jesus came to earth. But the thing of it is, is that we have victory in Jesus. In John 1, 12, it said, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. We've been given the power. We have the power in the name of Jesus. We have that power in the name of the Lord. Amen. And we do have that. I heard uh, we, another part of this. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. In John 14, 1 through 3, it says, And let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare the place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. How many know that's the word of the Lord? I heard about the streets of gold last week. I told you uh, a joke. Well, it, just a funny thing that uh, a brother, um, uh, I believe it was Loanne's husband, was saying about the rich man uh, and how that he, 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 he begged for one thing. He said, I want to have one thing to take to, to my grave and, and to take into glory. And, and finally, after a lot of arguing, you know, with, with, um, you know with, with the Lord over the Lord, I said, okay, he said, you can take one suitcase. So when the rich man gets to the pearly gates and St. Peter says, uh, 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 what's that? A suitcase. No. He said, yes, yes, yes. The Lord told me that I can bring a suitcase. So, so the St. Peter says, well, I'll, I'll let you bring the suitcase. But he said, I've got to look in it first. And he opened it up and, and he saw and there are many, many bars of gold. And he looked at him and said, are you serious? He said, why are you bringing pavement to heaven? And I'm going to read something here in Revelations 21, 10 through 23. He said, and he, carry, and, he, and he cry carried me away in the spirit 
to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto the stone most pre- stones most precious, even like jasper stones, clear as crystal, and had great wall, uh, a wall great and high, and the twelve um, and the twelve gates. And at the gates were the twelve angels, and names written upon, which are names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Let me tell you what, if you're anti-Semitic, you better get used to uh, believing, because he's got the names of the twelve tribes written right on the new heavens. Hallelujah. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Do you see how the old and new are bridged together? You have the foundation of the old and the foundation of the new. And how does it come together? Jesus said, I became the chief cornerstone that brought those foundations together. And he's talking about that here. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And in them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the building of the walls, it was it was like jasper. And the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. And the foundation of the walls of the city were garnished and all manner of precious stones and the twelve gates were the twelve pearls. Every several gates was one pearl. And the streets of the city were pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty, the Lamb, are the temple of it. Amen. And the city had no need for the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. Don't feel bad for Joanne. (laughs) She's on those streets of gold today. She's run her race. It's over for her. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. About the angels singing the old redemption story in Revelations 13 and 8. And the lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Amen. Deb, would you come and and we're going to just close out with that song or or parts of that song this morning. Um, And and if if you don't know it, it wasn't in our hymnal. I was really uh, saddened by that. But uh, you can you can sing with me if you would like. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love and praise you. We exalt you. But how many know that we need to get familiar again with the old, old story? The story that drew you to him. Amen. We got to remember those days. And that's why David said, I muse upon the days of, of old and all that the Lord had done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done.